Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. America. I am not a number. I am a free man. Wiggins America. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Wiggins. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes. Welcome to Wiggins America. Welcome to Wiggins America. This is the first segment of the show. So I want to talk about the biggest news of the week. It was actually breaking last weekend while we were doing the Sunday night version of this show. And I was watching it but not really sure exactly what to say yet. I actually thought about doing the last segment of the show, punting on what I had planned, and doing the last segment of the show on the bank collapse that SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, was experiencing. But I, I wanted to wait. Because I didn't, I wanted to have all the facts. I don't want to jump into that, but I, at the time, man, Twitter was lighting up with there's going to be bank runs, everybody's going to be grabbing their money, 1930s depression style. And that I didn't want to feed into until I had the facts. Now I have the facts. And in fact, there's been a lot of news regarding this. And you could say that one of the reasons that they didn't have bank runs is because the Fed stepped in. Although I don't know whether that's the case, it seems more psychological to me than just the Fed stepped in. It seems like them saying that is what stops fear and fear causes bank runs in general. Let's talk about the politics of it, though, because as I've examined this week and listened to a lot of commentary on, it sounds like SVB, this bank, second largest bank collapse in the history of the United States, but it was still considered a smaller bank. It's not J.P. Morgan Chase. If that bank collapses, like they kind of did, Fannie and Freddie and all that stuff in 2008, then you're talking about real economic meltdown. And that's where you had a George W. Bush step in and do things that I think were even against his better judgment to bail those banks out because you didn't want full economic collapse. This wasn't that. This was still a big bank, 
but it was Silicon Valley. I mean, it, it, it's not really going to affect us other than the trickle-down effect of it. They were doing bad investments. Uh, that's just that's the, what everybody's saying who knows what they're talking about. They're saying these people were risky, they were over-risky, and they didn't put any of their money in things that would have alleviated that risk, which good investors do, and especially if you're a bank investor, you're really supposed to. They did not have a risk assessor for the last seven months. Uh, that is a position that you're supposed to have, especially at any financial institution, let alone a large one, and they just didn't have one. And so they're doing terrible, risky things, and when the cards started to fall, uh, the dominoes, it was going to hit all of them. And it did. And they collapsed. But (laughs) due to FDIC money that isn't tax money, I'll give them that, they bailed everybody out who had investments in that bank. So not necessarily shareholders of the bank as a publicly traded institution, but people who had money in the bank, if that makes sense. So taking a step back, how do we analyze this whole thing and why did it happen? Here's what they're saying. They're saying the SVB bank collapse is caused by regulations that Donald Trump uh, uh, rolled back. Before that, they were saying that the East Palestine train derailment was because of regulations that Trump rolled back. Before that, they were saying the Chinese spy balloon was something that we would have known more about had Trump treated it more seriously, uh, and he didn't do anything, and so we shouldn't have to do anything either. Notice a trend there? By the way, all of those things, all of those things are false. They're narratives. Believe it or not, the people in control of those narratives have something to gain from putting them out there. It's to protect Democrats and blame Trump. Obviously, that is what they're doing. If you want me to go piece by piece as to why those are false, I can. Briefly, the Chinese spy balloon thing wasn't true because nobody in the upper echelons of the administration even knew it was happening, which means that the deep state or the intelligence administrative state knew that it was happening and did not tell anybody in the Trump administration. That's a huge problem. We've gone over that before on this show. Then with the East Palestine uh, train derailment, they were talking about how he had released restrictions on transportation to make things easier for business. He did do some of that. None of it affected the bolt or whatever it was that came out of that train. And even the Washington Post gave the administration four Pinocchios for saying that it did. It had nothing to do with anything Trump did. It was something that it was an accident that happened. Those people, I guess, should have been checking the trains more carefully. I digress. Last one, SVB Banks. Now, these are institutions, like I said, that are, that are big, but they're not as big as J.P. Morgan Chase. Frank Dodd, sorry, Frank, <laughs> let me reset that because I screwed that up. Barney Frank from Dodd-Frank, the law that was highly regulated uh, over the financial institutions and not just banks, but all financial trading, stock trading, everything, it is it is, <laughs> it is a huge burden for all of those companies that Dodd-Frank existed. And Trump did roll back some of those things. Not all of them. The law still exists. They didn't repeal the law. They were just able to ease some of the restrictions because so much of it is done through, again, the administrative state. Do you notice a theme here? Most of our laws are executed by the administrative state, not by Congress. And those people are not elected. 
So what does that mean as far as who's responsible for the bank collapse? Well, the bank is responsible for that. All of the regulations, and I said uh, Barney Frank, he's the Democrat on Dodd-Frank. He actually said, too, this was not caused by anything that was rolled back out of Dodd-Frank. He's actually on the board of the Signature Bank in New York that also collapsed, point of reference. But as far as the big Silicon Valley Bank, all of these banks are actually too small to be regulated in the same way as Dodd-Frank would regulate a big bank so that we don't have the 2008 collapse again. Tracking with me? None of this had anything to do with Trump. And not just because I'm trying to find ways out of it. I'm just telling you the truth. It didn't. And Democrats are telling you that. The Washington Post is telling you that. But if the narrative doesn't break through, then it doesn't matter because all that matters is the narrative. And the, so the lie just to get it out there as they have so many times before. So how do we wrap this up? What are beyond just this was a bad bank and they made bad decisions, which ultimately is the point. What is the political reason that this happened? The only one I can find, because it really is on this bank for being stupid. And if you're going to be that big and be stupid, I hate the fact that so many of these people, they were insider trading. They, they pawned off all their stock right before this happened. That's obvious that they knew this was going to happen. That stuff is highly illegal, but they probably won't face any consequences for it because all of their buddies are politicians. This is how politicians make their money is by being friends with these people. They're not going to make them mad. They're not going to go after them. So the only political cause that I, your courageous host, Ryan Wiggins, have found that could have led to this conclusion is the overabundance of money, the overprinting and overpushing of money. Who do you think caused that? Trump's not exempt from that. Like I said, I'm not going to exempt Trump just because he's a Republican or just because he's Trump. Trump, under his administration, at the end of his administration under the COVID-19 era that had just begun in the year of his, the final year of his administration, they printed too much money, but it was in direct response to things that governments were doing, not necessarily the federal government, but state governments in particular and local governments were doing to keep things afloat. That would have caused inflation. What did Joe Biden do? He got into office after those things had been done, and he doubled down on them, and he kept spending money, and he kept pushing money, and so much money has now been pushed into the market that didn't exist before, something like 5 to $8 trillion, just printed out of thin air. We're going to talk to, with a, a Bitcoin guy, actually, later in the show about that, because I think that's a point that we're missing here, that inflation and all these things that are caused by that, well, this was also caused by that. Now, not that they couldn't have made better decisions. They could have. But they had so much money. Fact, in 2018, this bank had $50 billion in assets. In 2022, they had over $200 billion. That's because there was an abundance of money. There was so much money pumped into this economy that these people were just going hog wild. Again, it's not because of that that they did this, but that is a root cause of this. They could have still made better decisions with all that money and chose not to. So it's not that they're not culpable, but politics is always involved, especially when there's this much money. All right, let's take a break. Like I said, one of the guests we're going to talk to in this show, I think we're going to do that next hour, is uh, with Swan Bitcoin. His name is Nico Moran. 
he obviously is pro-Bitcoin, but I want to talk to him not just about, well, why is Bitcoin great and why is everything else terrible? We're going to dig into the reasons why all this money printing has been going on, what that does to your bottom line, and how to avoid it. And really, is Bitcoin or crypto, is that the future? Or have we seen the volatility of that just basically destroy the whole thing? Let's talk about that. <clears throat> That's in the next hour. We're also going to talk to Rick Meta at the end of this hour about the origins of COVID. My big question for him, we're all curious about it, but what do we do with that information once we have it? Can we get it? China is stonewalling us. Will we ever get it? All these things and more coming up on Wiggins America. Stink of Talk Radio, Wiggins America. about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line they are milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You can call us Americans or Vespuccians. Doesn't matter here. Wiggins Vespuccia. Don't get what you said on me. I'm a bite your feelings out. Welcome back. I know very little about pop music. 
So when I give you this information about this very song, it's just from experience because I know very little. This is one of the weirdest pop songs I've ever heard in my life, and it didn't do real well in the charts. It it it, it charted and it was around for a minute, and then it went away because people couldn't figure out what was going on. And they're right. I don't know what's going on either, but I've always really been intrigued by this song because it almost seems to be saying something like, hey, look, pop, nothing matters anyway, so why don't we just say gibberish? <laughs> and it's actually kind of catchy. I like the song, and I'm going to continue to play it because it is so strange. Anyway, this is Wiggins America. A couple things to talk about with you here. Speaking of pop culture, we won't take too long on this, but you know that one of my passions is last person on earth movies or last man on earth movies or TV shows or really books or anything. I just love the idea of especially walking around in a city that's completely empty. Those kind of scenes, they just draw me in no matter what they are and you find them a lot in zombie movies you find them in post-apocalyptic stuff so i've been for a long time making a list i think over a decade now i've been making a list of the best movies and tv shows and it is exhaustive so i got one for you here i I got a new one the last where is everybody it's not the end of the world there's all the time i need and all the time i want the last person on earth i miss the noise you know i thought i was gonna be alone again there's time now and i always hate when i have to introduce one that technically is good you know it's a good last person on earth movie it hits one of the three criteria which very briefly are either last person on the planet or earth-like planet Uh, last person in the universe, so you don't have to be really on a planet. You just have to be somewhere. You could be in space or whatever. Uh, You have to at least believe that you are, even if it turns out that you're not. Or, criteria C, the third one, is you have to walk around an empty, what should be populated environment that is not for mysterious circumstances. So the best ones hit all three of those. Some of them just hit a couple, but then sometimes the movie stinks, even if it does hit them. This one was actually pretty good, and it's a Hayden Christensen movie, which is not common that I could say good and Hayden Christensen movie, but I am. Uh, This is called The Vanishing on 7th Street. It gets a 4 out of 5 on my scale for Last Person on Earth movies, and it actually gets a 4 out of 5 for just being a good movie, too, general entertainment value. The point of this film is not one... It, I think why it's so interesting is it doesn't really fall into any of the typical categories of a Last Person on Earth movie. It's very mysterious. The point of the whole film is to stay in the light. And I've said before, I love small sets. Uh, I don't like really big movies. I, I, you know, a good action movie is a good action movie. But if you can make a really good, mysterious, keep-dragging-you-along movie that's in one room or in a small environment, that means the writing is really good, and that makes me appreciate it. This one, I think, is in that category. It's basically on one city street and then in a bar. So two sets, technically, but it looks like a real street, of course. And it it takes place mostly in this bar where if you get in the darkness, uh, you get taken or you get, or you disappear. So they can't really figure out why this is happening. This is worldwide phenomenon as far as they know that if you get into the dark, you just are gone and they don't know where you go. And so there's piles of clothes laying around like a rapture movie, lots of religious references actually in this movie. And it does hit all three criteria 
but it's just such a mystery as to why this is happening. And throughout the movie, it's basically a survive the night kind of movie where the lights of the street and the lights that you have, the artificial lights, are just getting dimmer and you can't see down the street anymore and you can't see down this way anymore. So you're stuck in this spot where there still is light and there's more and more people trying to crowd into this light area and they're going in the bar more and, the, you know, the, it's just getting smaller and smaller as it goes and nobody can figure out what's going on. Highly recommend it. It's a really fun movie. I don't think it's one that many people have seen. And it's more about the the fear of the situation than it is that this is like a new worldwide reality. So check it out. See if you enjoy it. It's the last person on Earth film. We'll be right back. More Wiggins America. prestigious Ryan Wiggins Award in 2019, 2020, and 2022, Wiggins America. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Financial stuff is, of course, the stuff we're talking about this week. But this one is a little bit outside that normal lane. This is Kevin O'Leary. If you watch the show Shark Tank, you're going to recognize him right away. He's the, I don't know, cheery-faced, bald guy. They call him Mr. Wonderful. Here's the thing. I don't watch Shark Tank. I've seen the show maybe twice and I felt like I had seen it all. <laughs> it's, it's not my thing. I don't really love reality TV, even though I did reality TV. Maybe that's why I don't love reality TV. Uh, is because I was a host on a show, and I know how they work. <laughs> not exactly an endorsement of my own industry that I uh, tried to be successful in. But anyway, uh, not a huge Shark Tank fan. Nothing against the show, just don't really like it and don't watch it. So Kevin O'Leary is this figure there i remember there was a commercial for a while with barbara corcoran and i couldn't understand what the guy was saying when he said oh barbara corcoran 
And I'm like, who's Barbara Corker? <laughs> oh, it's from Shark Tank. So with that in mind, now you know where I'm coming from with this clip. This is Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, apparently, on CNN. Now, he's a real businessman. He's not just a TV businessman. Um, he does lots of business, and I think he's involved in lots of different types of business, too. Why they would have him on CNN, I, I'm not sure, because he was not going to give them the talking points that they wanted. Now, this is Don Lemon's show. The only reason that you might be familiar, as I am, with Don Lemon's new show is that he made those comments about Nikki Haley being out of her prime on this show. And so he's got two female co-hosts, but he's really the only name that I know on the show that most people would know. So here is Kevin O'Leary on that show saying not exactly what they probably thought he was going to say when asking him about the business climate. And here's the one thing that nobody saw coming, and this is the competition of states. I don't put companies here in New York anymore or in Massachusetts or in New Jersey or in California. Those states are uninvestable. The policy here is insane. The taxes are too high. We put them in Fargo, North Dakota, mm. because 40% of the people work elsewhere, including Boston. So I was, you know, a bit of a debate with Elizabeth Warren about this, but I say, look, Senator, we've got to move the companies out of your state because you're not investable anymore. You're punishing people if they're successful. You overtax them. You hit them with a super tax. New Jersey, what a mess. New York, uninvestable. Now, I have not invested any time in this show at all. So when I say Don Lemon, you'll know who that is. But the other two people, I have no clue who they are. To me, they were late lady wearing white coat and lady wearing pink coat. Pink coat lady, white coat lady. White coat lady has some body language while this is going on. I know you can't see it, so I'm explaining it to you. She is crossing her legs, crossing her arms, leaning in an uncomfortable position, and making it known that she does not love what Kevin O'Leary is saying. So in this next clip, she tries to find something to hit him with because she just doesn't like it. So she's like, well, I'm going to hit you back with something. I'm a journalist. Wait, why is New York uninvestable? Try and do a project in New York. Try and build a Yeah, I'm asking, Don's point, is it beyond the taxes? Oh, the regulatory environment is punitive. I had a project in upstate New York behind the grid in Niagara Falls for electricity, a global data center we were building. Eventually, it got so bad with the, the politicians in the local region and the state policy, we moved it to Norway and all the jobs. Norway has it now. Thousands of jobs coming out of that. I mean, that is, that's New York. Uninvestable. Sorry, don't shoot the messenger. Just telling you the way it is. Yeah, that's it. Uninvestable. Some pushback from our, our elected officials in New York I on that. I was going to say Kathy Hochul. Yeah. But I'll debate it- them any time of the day you want. Wait a second now. <laughs> so they try to tell him. That well, it's not. It's just taxes, right? It's just taxes. As if that's fine. Like, well, if it's just taxes, then just get over it. <laughs> but he says, well, no, it's not just taxes. It's all these crazy regulations. Elon Musk has said the same thing. Don't even try to build a business in California anymore. He said the whole U.S. is actually kind of like this. But it's worst, <clears throat> of course, in the deepest blue areas where it's regulation, regulation, regulation. This is funny in light of what we're talking about this week with SVB, Silicon Valley Bank. Of course, they're all saying, well, it just needed more regulation. Did it? Is, is that the talking point? Because it's killing <clears throat> the business climates in all of these states, and you're saying it needs you need more regulation? Okay. So after that clip, <laughs> their only comeback, so white coat lady says, well, it's just taxes, right? And he goes, no, it's not just taxes. And then pink coat lady 
says, well, I know somebody who would have a problem with that, and that is New York Governor Kathy Hochul. Wow, what a gotcha. The governor of the state would say, no, it's a good climate. <laughs> it's not a bad climate, it's a good climate. All righty. Back to the guy who's actually opening businesses to comment. Uh, we would love to set that AOC, she's great at killing jobs. She kills jobs by the thousands. You know, another New Jersey problem. Where did Amazon take their jobs? They took them away from her. She threatened to sue them if they created jobs. I mean, this is a reality. This is a reality that the business... There's a little more to it, but let's not relitigate well, that. Well, you know, sorry, just telling the truth. He's, he's saying what a lot of people are saying, especially what happened with that Amazon thing here in New York. Well, wait a minute. Was that Don Lemon coming to the rescue of Kevin O'Leary? Don Lemon, once in a while, surprisingly, actually has a head on his shoulders. Now, with grievance politics and social justice stuff, Don Lemon's off the reservation. But with every with other things, sometimes... He actually makes sense. He's coming to the rescue of Kevin O'Leary saying New York is a bad place to do business. Uh, He continues here, but so does Kevin O'Leary making his final points in what is, I guess, just barely the longest clip, and then we're done. Just real quickly, I don't want to have the conversation, but what, what was Elizabeth Warren's response when you said that to her? Look, I have a lot of respect for her because it's okay to have a debate about politics, but not policy. When you have punitive policy, you're making a mistake. And I want to just put up my hand and say, I don't agree, Senator, with your policy. I respect you as a politician, a very successful one. You know, she's very successful. And that's the state where I grew my kids. I mean, our family grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. We left there to move to Florida like everybody else is because it's such a tough place to... You know, this is a tough message. People really are critical about this, but somebody has to call it out because... This is a competition of states now, and we don't put money there anymore. We put it in other places, and jobs are created elsewhere. Over time, this is going to diminish New Jersey, diminish New York, diminish Massachusetts, and California, out of business. Out of business. El Morte. No business there. You can't do business there. I don't know what that place is going to turn into. Maybe a tourist zone, but no business. Imagine San Francisco. You can't even walk at night out in the street. Right at the end, he hits a different issue. He's talking about business climate for pretty much that entire three-minute segment. But at the very end, he goes, oh, also, the crime is terrible. And then they move on. So there's nothing really after that. They move on quickly. But the things he's pointing out in most of that, other than the very last little thing about San Francisco crime, is that there are states that he will not do business in anymore. New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, and California. Probably guess that Illinois was on that list, although he didn't list it. The ones he did list that he does do business in now, North Dakota, and then really steps in it on CNN and praises Florida, but tells what everybody already knows. That's why everybody's moving to Florida. The business environment is great. I mean, why wouldn't you want to be in Florida anyway? You want to be in a southern state that's tropical, of course. It is somewhat climate, but North Dakota ain't, and he's moving businesses there. This is happening across the country, and it's happening across the world, too, where those who are are uh, over-regulating business, which the United States is doing quite a bit, are seeing less growth, and those who are uh, letting the market play are seeing better growth. That doesn't mean that all of it's awesome. I don't love TIFF stuff, um, but that's, again, that's the government in action there. That's unfair government action, not fair government action. That's an overplay of government hand. So anyway, I just thought that was really interesting because 
A, Kevin O'Leary's pretty well known, not to me, but apparently to everybody else, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. But he doesn't really have a whole lot to gain by doing this. <clears throat> Usually, you go and you just shake hands and you, you pat all of your senators and your governor friends on the back and you say, hey, we're all buddies, right? Oh, hey, I got a request for you. I'll, I'll donate to your next campaign. So when somebody like this comes out, especially such a public figure, and says, on CNN of all places, so he knows he's not even like a, a friendly crowd, this is killing business. You guys, something has to change. It's because it's killing business and something has to change. Not because he's trying to score points. In fact, he's doing the opposite. He's making enemies. That's how bad it's gotten that he's saying, I don't want it to be this way. So change it, please. And gives great examples along the way. This is Wiggins America. Thank you for being here this weekend. We will be right back. One FM Talk, Wiggins America. Very excited to have Rick Maida back on. He he is a, a renaissance man. He's the former consumer safety officer at the FDA. He's in biotech, pharmacist world. He is an attorney and adjunct professor of law at Georgetown University Law Center, where he's teaching right now health law and regulation. Rick, thanks for coming back to Wiggins America. Hey, great to be on. Thanks for having me, Ryan. So this is a topic that uh, I really wanted somebody with your expertise on because it's one that I find to be curious, but it goes beyond curiosity. I think all of America wants to know where did COVID come from, but is it more important than, than just our curiosity that we find out? Yeah, that's a great question. And more than just America, the entire world wants to know, the entire world should know. I mean, this is critical for our national defense. I mean, something like COVID if it was man-made, if it was leaked out of a lab, um, whether it was done on purpose or by accident, that is a major national security issue. And, uh, of course, everyone in the country and around the world should know and must know. Uh, now, will we ever find the answers? Well, <laughs> that's to be determined. Yeah, well, there's more scrutiny on this now, I think, with the House looking into this uh, much more than they were in the last couple of years. Um, but what are they going to be able to do? Because the Chinese Communist Party that runs China, they, they're stonewalling us, apparently. They've completely obstructed the investigation. So if you look at it historically, uh, you know, there was a team that was sent by the WHO to China. Uh, the lead of that team was the uh, primary investigators from the NIH grants that were received where money was sent to Wuhan to actually investigate this. So even putting aside the bias, the palpable bias in the investigation team, China continued to obstruct the release of data. Uh, in fact, just a few weeks ago, quietly, without really making a public 
public announcement, the WHO abandoned their plans for phase two of this investigation. Uh, And so all we're really left with is circumstantial evidence of which the primary investigative team, when they did the phase one investigation, said, well, it's it's likely it came out of the um, wet markets, you know, animal to human, because that's where we found uh, the most amount of virus activity, uh, which was really a mistake uh, because they they really cast aside uh, this probability and plausible hypothesis that it could have been done in the lab. Uh, They didn't actually have make their way into the lab. China kind of pushed them out. And like I said, primary data of the investigations that were the the actual trials that were being conducted uh, were never really uh, released to this investigative team. So how would you even know to make that conclusion that it couldn't have been done uh, at the uh, Wuhan Institute? Now with the um, House uh, Oversight Committee hearings, we're finding even the former CDC director said that uh, the way and the mechanism of which the virus has acted uh, makes him lead to conclude that this was actually done in a laboratory and not necessarily from the wet markets and animal to human to the point where even the government agencies um, are saying now that there is a probability that this occurred in the lab. And so for me, I mean, it's, you know, there's no more question whether or not it was done in the lab. The question really is, was it leaked on purpose or was it by accident? And I think the world needs to know that. Absolutely. And you're right. I mean, we do have, this has been what's making the news and why we're talking about it, is that you do have more of the alphabet soup government agencies coming out and at least acknowledging that it's a a, a high pro- possibility, if not probability, that this was created in a lab. Um, but what can somebody like the House Oversight Committee or any of these agencies do if we all come to that same consensus, which it definitely is trending toward that this was created? What happens if everybody agrees, yes, this was created? Is China held accountable for this at all? Yeah, well, there's two things about this to unpack. One is uh, legal options and one are scientific options. From a scientific perspective, it actually may be scientifically too late to know if enough documents were destroyed by China, uh, if enough time has lapsed. uh, You know, we know uh, that China continues to obfuscate uh, inspections and investigations. I mean, this is dating back more than 20 years, literally to date. 20 years ago, we had SARS outbreak. China underreported those cases. We're not transparent with the world. Uh, and, and really, China's motives has been protecting their own economy. In fact, they just released data to show that their economy just gained uh, gradual momentum. Uh, so, of course, they don't want any attention to be drawn that this could have been done uh, in China and uh, scare other tourists from coming to their country. That has always been their motivation to the point where they influenced WHO uh, in order to downplay where the virus origins are, uh, to continue to confuse Americans and the world as to China's role and responsibility in the viral in the virus outbreak. But again, like I said, this is not new. Happened two decades ago, happening now again. Same exact thing. So scientifically, we may only be left with circumstantial evidence, but knowing China's history, knowing their pattern, knowing the communist government continues to destroy samples and hide records, uh, downplay social media reports, imprison journalists that report against their narratives, uh, scientifically, we may not be able to do much. Legally, however, uh, the executive branch has to be stronger against China. We have to talk about sanctions. We have to get to the bottom uh, of what policy influence China has had uh, in allowing for public health to be appropriately, public health measures to be appropriately be taken. Uh, And before we negotiate any deals 
uh, with the WHO in terms of expanding the amount of authorities they have. We need to make sure that China plays fair, and we have not. The Biden administration has not done a good job. They have done no job uh, in holding China accountable. Rick Maida is on the phone with us. He is a former consumer safety officer at the, at the FBA, and you're right there. I mean, you're an attorney and adjunct professor of law at Georgetown University Law Center, where you teach health law and regulation. When you're there, you know, you get kind of a pulse on these things. Is there is there any bipartisan support for uh, holding China accountable on these things? Because there's very little bipartisan support on anything, but this seems like one where there might be. Yeah, I think it's moving in that direction. I think even some Democrats, uh, key members, have felt that they've been gaslit by the mainstream media, uh, by the Fau- by Dr. Fauci and the um, Alphabet Soup administration, uh, in trusting and believing that what they were saying was accurate. Remember, uh, based on the information we had from China, understanding what we knew when this virus developed, we made some key public health policy decisions that had implications on every American's life, mandated vaccine, mandated masks, social distancing, uh, isolating, quarantines, things that have some significant constitutional implications and implications on our individual rights uh, in the name for of the sake of having, you know, uh, this public health emergency and working together as a community to overcome it when we now realize uh, that many of those policy decisions were made on bad judgment and bad science and bad policy. So, yeah, this has a lot of implications. Uh, I think many are starting to see that Americans in general, regardless of their party affiliation, has lost a lot of trust in our public health institutions. Uh, and you can objectively measure that by low utilization rates of vaccines. I mean, people don't want to be vaccinated. They don't feel like they have enough answers behind it. There was a massive push to push out an unapproved uh, vaccine under an emergency use authorization, which has never been done in the history of our country, uh, without any uh, you know, call back to seeing what the accountability was uh, and making sure that we are objectively looking at this to protect Americans versus pushing a narrative uh, that couldn't be questioned. I mean, when Dr. Fauci went to testify saying that he is science and not to question him, you know that sits w- doesn't sit well with most Americans, regardless of party affiliation. So, yes, I think we're going to start to see bipartisan support to get to the answer to this, especially now that we see so much more aggression by China uh, in the Indian Ocean. Uh, we've seen the Chinese spy balloons. Uh, we know that they're in discussions with Russia. The implications we have to our national security that China is threatening and becoming more aggressive, we can't look past the fact that this virus maybe not this time, but in the future could be used um, or potentially weaponized. That has to be in the top of minds um, of all House members, regardless of party affiliations. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff, isn't it? Uh, I'll end on this. It's kind of a big philosophical question, Rick, but uh, it seems as if what we've what we've had happen over the last couple of years in America anyway, and maybe the world too, is that we've had a healthy skepticism rising back that we are questioning things that maybe we've let just go for a long time, that we've just assumed everybody has the best interest in mind for all of America when that may not be the case. Do you find that to be the case? Well, absolutely. Um, you know, I think there's this been notion, especially if you look at Dr. Fauci's illustrious career of being in government for 50 years, uh, he never wanted to be questioned, right? Yeah. And so there was this uh, belief 
that if information is put out by the government, it's primary source information, uh, and that there's this sort of unquestioning trust of it. Uh, and we saw that uh, deteriorate over the COVID policies, uh, especially when it came down to mandating and uh, impinging on you know, Americans' constitutional rights uh, that many people are now questioning, you know, is public health uh, being uh, used as pretext to, to trample on people's constitutional rights. And now there's a, even more direct interest from lay folks that may not understand the law, may not understand the health, but certainly know uh, how these policies have affected their day-to-day life, their family, their children in school. Uh, and they've personalized this to now sit back and say, wait a minute, was the government right? Did they have my best interest? Uh, and now is the time, hopefully Americans are waking up to ask those questions to fundamentally know that they must do whatever's in their interest to protect their individual rights uh, and truly only give them up for the sake of greater good and not because one bureaucrat said it's right. Yeah. Rick Maida, I really appreciate your time. Appreciate the thoughtfulness with which you approach these issues, too. Do you want people finding you on socials or anywhere else? Absolutely. Go to rickmeda.com or follow me on Twitter, R-I-K-M-E-H-T-A underscore N-J. Sounds good. Rick Maida, appreciate your time once again, and, and thanks for being on Wiggins America. My pleasure. Thank you, Ryan. We'll be right back with more on Wiggins America. Stick around. to the pristine peaks of Southern Florida, this is Wiggins America. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 